Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, welcome again. Uh, my name is Stephen. As Jono said, my wife Ash run the youth ministry here, and uh, we are—you know—I'm excited to be sharing tonight on our final installment of our series, "Not According to Plan." It's been a great seven-week series, and I think it's—it's it's gone on that long because it's probably one of the most relatable sentences you'll ever hear in your entire life. Life does not always go according to plan. And uh, my goal tonight is to kind of tie a neat little bow on top of what is already an amazing series. And I want to do that by asking the question, what now? What now? You know, we've been here for seven weeks hearing about all of these amazing things like God still cares about you even when it doesn't seem like it, that He is in, in the fire with you, you're not alone. And we've been hearing about how we can react and respond to different situations, our response to things can determine the outcome. We've been hearing all, amaz- all these amazing things, but what now? What are you going to respond with? How are you going to respond to what you have heard? And we're going to have some fun tonight, but I just want to acknowledge if, if you are here for the very first time, or maybe you've just joined our community and, and you're still new to this whole faith thing, or you're checking this out, we're so glad you're here. The reason why we talk about this stuff is because we honestly believe that God has an amazing plan for your life, and we want to figure this thing out together. That's why we're here every single week, and hopefully tonight you're going to get a good insight into what life with Jesus could be like. And for everyone else in the room, uh, hopefully this is a bit of an encouragement, maybe even a challenge to take your faith to the next level. But I want to kick things off tonight by asking the question, have you ever found yourself in a place and wondered, how did I get here? Right? Have, have you ever found yourself in a place, maybe you've been driving and you zone out and you get to your destination and you're wondering, how on earth did I get here? Maybe you sleepwalk, I, I don't know. But I recently found myself asking that question. I recently did a 5K park run in Nambour. And by recently, I mean two years ago. Um, but that was the last time, the first and the last time I ever did that. And I, I, I decided to do a 5K park run with a few friends from church for two reasons. One, I wanted to get fit, I wanted to get healthy, and apparently running helps with that. And, and two, I wanted to prove to the world that running is not a real sport and anyone can be good at it, okay? That's what I wanted to prove. So, so me and, and the crew got up in the morning and uh, we got to the starting line at the ungodly hour of 6.30 in the morning. And it was my first run, and in my mind, I'm thinking, this is probably the first of many park runs for me. So I want to I set the standard, I want to I set a good impression for people. So basically, I thought to myself, I'm just going to win it. I'm just going to win the race and show everyone that this is how it's done. So as soon as they blew the whistle to begin, I sprinted to the front. Okay, I bolted to the front of the pack and I found myself in front of everyone else. I was winning the race. Okay, I was crushing it. 
until about 17 seconds into the race when I realized that I was not made to run, okay? God had not given me that ability, and I realized this when people started to pass me with ease, okay? I'm talking really easy, like people would be jogging and talking about their week, and they would just be flying past, little kids running past me, people running backwards, just, hey, how you doing, you know, and just, this is what I don't get. Moms with babies attached to their back running past me, okay? People were just, and I found myself getting further and further back. In fact, I think we, I think we have a photo of, of me running. Hopefully we can get that up. I really want you to see it. It's, an, it's, a, ni- it's a nice photo. Um, now, the 5K run, uh, you know, it, it, it turned out to be one of the worst four hours of my life. Just kidding. It was about, about 35 minutes. Uh, not my best, but you know, when you look at that photo, I mean, look at that guy. If I, if I do say so myself, that guy looks good, okay? Like, that guy is an athlete, all right? He's got a smile on his face, muscles popping out. You know, he is, like, he's having a good time, all right? Someone's walking the other way. They've given up. Not that guy, okay? He's ready to win. Now, full disclosure, um, I knew there was a camera pointed at me, so I put on a brave face for that 10 seconds um, because what happened about five, 10 minutes later into the race was I thought that I was alone and I didn't know there was anyone looking at me and this is the next photo that was taken without me knowing it. (laughs) That guy is not an athlete. Okay, that guy is wondering how on earth he got there. That guy is not a runner and... You know, it, it, it made me realize two things that day. Number one is that running was created by the devil to torture people. And two, it made me realize that the result of something and how we go through something is often determined by the preparation we put in beforehand. Right? I realized that because I put in no preparation. And that's the result. The result was me throwing up my breakfast. The result is determined by the preparation. And it, it reminded me of a story about a guy named Daniel. You may or may not have heard about this guy, but he was, he was recorded in the Bible a few thousand years ago. And him and his, his friends were a part of a group of people called the Israelites. And at this time, they had been captured and they had been taken from their home, which was Jerusalem. They were taken from their home by an enemy army and taken to a foreign land with a, with a different king, different laws, different people that had been taken against their will, and they did not enjoy that at all. But somehow, Daniel, amongst all of this, rose up in the ranks and became friends with the king, okay? But the king had people working for him who did not like Daniel, did not like the fact that the king was friends with him. So they convinced the king to create a law that prohibited, that that stopped people from praying and stop people from, from talking to any God or any person in a praying manner that wasn't the king. Weren't allowed to pray for 30 whole days so that the whole kingdom could know that everyone was devoted to the king. Now, for most people, not a, bad, not a big deal, not, not much of an issue. But for Daniel, he believed in God, he followed God, and he, you know, he prayed often. So we pick up the story, it's in chapter 6, and it says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, as was his custom since early days. 
Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human, it being except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? And so the king, as much as he didn't want to, he, he had to live up to his rules. He had to set the standard. So he, he got his friend Daniel. In the afternoon, he threw him into the den of lions to be eaten alive. And Daniel had to spend the night in the lion's den. And we pick up the story the very next day. And it says this, As the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered. Now, this is a whole day after he's been in there. Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me. This is a, a miraculous story, okay? This is a, a miracle. It's a it's, it's, it's pretty spectacular thing to read, but it got me wondering, how on earth was Daniel, an ordinary average person, able to keep his cool, able to stay calm and trusting in a situation like that? You know, as much as God, you know, rescued him, as much as this is God's victory, it was highlighted to me that Daniel had a habit of praying to and seeking help from God since he was a kid. You know, he had things in his life, principles and habits in place that helped him in situations like that. He was prepared, which leads us to the conclusion that, you know, Daniel seemingly was able to handle the things in his life that didn't go according to plan because he was prepared for the unexpected. He was prepared for the unexpected. Now, we're going to do a, a survey here, okay? I need you to be really honest or not. It's up to you. But, like, we're going to do a survey. Show of hands, who here has ever made a mistake before in your entire life? Okay, there we go. All right, hands down. Now, next question. Okay, this one's a little bit more intense. Who here has made a mistake this week? Okay, okay. Most of us still. Okay, final question. This is where it gets really personal. Who here has never, ever, not even once made a mistake in your life. Put your hand down, Emma. I'm your youth pastor. Okay, husbands, this is where you point to your wives. Good job. They've never made a brownie points yet. There you go. But you see, it's not uncommon for us to make plans in our lives and then ruin those plans ourselves, right? It's not uncommon for that to happen, and this is a bummer because for me, this happens on a daily basis, okay? Does anyone here love hitting the snooze button by any chance? Snooze button? Yeah, okay. See, the snooze, because of course, what do you need after eight hours sleep, right? A nap, right? I will, I, will, I will hit the snooze button three, four, six, seven, eight times. It'll get to the point where it's, I've just snoozed for an hour, and the worst part is, it'll make me late for things, and being late is my pet hate, but I'll do it anyway. And, and then I'll act surprised and pretend like I don't know why I'm late. Like, someone, oh my gosh, you're late. Is everything okay? I have no idea what happened. This is so unlike me. No, it isn't. <laughs> you do this every time, right? We, we ruin our own plans sometimes, but, you know, that doesn't usually catch us off guard, does it? It doesn't, you know, we usually kind of anticipate something bad has happened if we've done something bad. But, but Daniel, Daniel was doing all the right things. 
You know, Daniel was seeking God. He was an upstanding citizen. He was, he was friends with the king. He was crushing it. But still, I mean, what do you do when you're doing all the right things and things still go wrong? Because it's usually the unexpected, right? I mean, talk about unexpected. It's usually the unexpected that gets us. It's usually the all of a suddens. It's usually the out of nowheres that really hurt. It's usually when you've been saving and saving and saving and that bill comes along and takes it all. It's usually when you've been studying, 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 but you still somehow fail. It's usually when you've been putting in the hard yards, but you're still left without that promotion or that job. The unexpected. And you see, it's, it's not like preparing for a race or preparing for an exam where you, at least you know what to prepare for and how to prepare. The unexpected is the unexpected because you don't expect it. You're welcome. So how on earth do you prepare for something like that? How do you prepare for the unexpected? How do you anticipate what seasons may or may not lay ahead? Well, Daniel, his first instinct was to rely on his habits. And his habit was to seek God, to get on his knees and pray and ask God for help when he needed it. Which tells us that, hey, what do you do when you're in a rough season? Well, when you're in a rough season, there really is only one thing to do. You go to the one who is good and strong and faithful in every season. You go to the one who's going to hold you in the expected and the unexpected. You go to the one whose ways are higher than our ways. Those plans are are greater than our plans. You go to Jesus. And here's what I want you to get tonight. Here's what I I really feel God saying tonight is that it was his habits. It was the habits he formed before the season that prepared him for the season. Okay, I don't think you heard that, okay? It, It was the habits he formed before the season that prepared him for the sea. It was the pre-season training that prepared him for the grand final victory. It was what he did in the good times that prepared him for the bad times. What habits are you preparing in your life? What habits are you forming? What, what faith habits are you forming? Or if you don't believe in this stuff quite yet, what, what good habits are you forming in your life that's going to be an anchor to you when the storm comes? What habits? Our habits are so important. And see, this, this story about Daniel, if anything, it shows us, it proves to us that God wants to use the season you're in now to prepare you for what lies ahead. God wants to use the season, good or bad. God wants to use that season. Bless you. But Stephen, you don't, you know, you don't understand what I'm going through. But Stephen, you, you don't know what I've had to deal with. You don't know what I deal with on a day-to-day basis. You're, you're right. I don't. I don't know. But God does. And he is able to use that for your good. See, God wants to do something in your life right now that's going to impact later. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that he can use both the good and the bad to, to produce something on the inside of us that's going to change what's happening on the outside of us. Okay, I'm talking, he wants to produce a faith in you that's going to move mountains. He wants to produce a peace in you that's going to hold you in the storm. He wants to unlock a strength on the inside of you that you never knew you had. Jesus wants to use the good and the bad for your advantage. And when you change your mindset, and man, I've been working on this in my life. When you change your mindset from what is being taken from me to what is being produced in me, it changes things. When you change your mindset from what is being, what am I losing, what, am, what is my loss in this season to what is God doing in me, it gives you a new perspective. It changes the way you walk thing, th- 
through things, changes things. But the question still remains, how? How do I prepare for what's next? Good season or bad season, if my habits, my preparation is key to the result, how do I prepare? Well, does anyone here, be really honest, does anyone here really love exercise or working out? I didn't think so, me either. I don't like working out. In fact, at the beginning of the year, I had a, uh, I had a goal of my ideal weight that I was going to achieve by the end of the year. And to do that, I would need to lose 10 kilos this year. 10 kilos to lose, to, to get to my ideal weight. And I'm actually, I'm actually very excited to announce that seven months into the year, I only have 20 kilos to go because I hate exercising. In case you didn't notice. But you know, for real though, I joined a gym last year and I, um, I signed up for an 18-month lock-in contract, thinking that that would motivate me and force me to go to the gym. I was so wrong, okay? Because it turns out between losing money and losing weight, I'd choose lose money. I don't know what's wrong with me, but it did not work. So I was at the gym the other month and I, uh, I was doing squats, which I know is just such a wonderful image for you to have. But I was doing squats. I was doing pretty well. I had the bar on my shoulder. I had weights on the bar. I was getting close to the ground. My, my technique was good. I was content with my workout. Okay, until I saw someone else doing the same thing, but better. Okay, what they were doing, they were doing squats on a half exercise ball, which is like the top half is an exercise ball, the bottom half is flat, so it stays on the ground. You stand on it, and it helps you, you know, get better balance, it helps you activate your core, it makes it harder. Okay, so he was doing what I was doing, only on a whole new level. Okay, he was doing squats, and, you know, I was content with my workout until the inner competitiveness came out to me, in me, and I thought to myself... I'm stronger than you. I could do that better. So I waited for him to get done with his thing, and I, I got on the half-exercise ball and put the bar on my shoulder, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to add a bit of extra weight because I am better than you in every single way. And then what basically what had happened was I, I went down, and I never came back up. And to this day, they're still searching for the person who ruined their exercise ball. So it's why I haven't been back to the gym. That's the reason why. But you see, what had happened was I couldn't handle the extra weight on my shoulders because the foundation I was standing on wouldn't allow me to handle it. I couldn't handle the weight because I was on a shaky foundation, which tells me that Jesus might have been onto something when he talked about the foundation of our lives and what that's built off. In fact, we read that. It's going to come up on the screen. In the book of Matthew, it's recorded him saying, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. He's basically saying, everyone who hears my way of doing life and does it that way, follows me, takes me serious, seriously, this is what happens. They build their house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had, been, it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, if it, as if to say, if you hear what I have to say, if you, if you hear these words on, on how to live the extraordinary life I have for you, and you just go back to living your own way, this is the result. 
is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What this tells me, and what life has continuously shown me time and time and time again, is that the Jesus way of doing life is so much better than my way of doing life. And it shows me that our faith needs to be the foundation in which we build off of. Maybe you don't even believe in Jesus, but you, you know, you've seen this in your own life. You've seen how people can let you down. You've seen how, how your job can let you down. You've seen how money can let you down. You've seen how si- certain situations and circumstances will always let you down. And it doesn't leave you many options to build off. But, you know, there is one option. And there's one habit in our life that will keep us strong when the storm starts to come. And that is building our foundation, building our life on the foundation of Jesus. I mean, what does that even mean, really? Like, what, what, what does that mean? Well, well, let me demonstrate, okay? And now, full disclosure, I've completely ripped this analogy off, uh, but we're going to see what happens. I put my own spin on it, so here we go. So, here you are. You are you're the typical teenager. You're the typical young adult. You're the typical real adult. I don't know what comes next. Well, I don't know what you call yourself, but here's you. Okay, and you are doing life. You, you are, you're, you're studying, you're working, you're saving, you're, you're in relationships, married kids, you're, you're paying your bills, you know, you're, you're filling your car, you're making your food, you're doing life. You go to church, you serve, you do all these things, right? And, and as, we, as we get older, you, know, you guys know this, as we get older, you begin to get ambitions, you begin to get dreams, you, get, you begin to make plans, but then with those plans, comes things that don't go according to those plans. You know, most of the time it starts off not, not too hectic. You know, let's say you, you've, been date, you've been dating a girl for three months and you think you're going to marry her, she's the mother of your children, and then all of a sudden she leaves you. And you're kind of devastated, but you move on, right? Because it's three months. And then let's say, you know, you, you've been late to work this week four out of five times, so you miss your morning coffee and you hate people because of that. So that, you know, that, that happens, but you move on. And then, you know, maybe let's say you, you, you're in uni and all your, your, your classes happen to be scheduled at 8 a.m., so you have to get up at the excruciating hour of 7 o'clock in the morning, and that's not good, but, you, you know, you kind of move on. But then, you know, you start doing really amazing things for God. You start to serve, you start to give, you start to impact people's lives, and then some things really start to go wrong. You start to make big plans for your life, and then some big difficulties come your way. And, you know, maybe you've been saving and saving and saving and saving, and then those bills keep coming and coming and coming. You don't know when they're going to stop. Or maybe, you know, maybe the stress piles up, and then you find yourself at the doctor, and, and, you know, you get a bad report that you weren't expecting. Maybe maybe there's some things in your your marriage and your relationships and your family. The tension is building, and it makes the future unclear. Maybe your kids are acting up. Send them to Wahai thinking that'll fix them. That doesn't work, so Wahai is our youth program that I run with my wife, just so you know. We do a great job. Um, But, you know, things start to pile up. Things start to go worse and worse and worse, and you, you find yourself filling up on all of these circumstances, and all of these things start to pile up, and you find yourself at a point in life where things have changed. You've changed. You look different now. Your view on life is different now. Your view on people and circumstances has changed now because you now view your life through your circumstances. They've become the viewpoint in which you see things. 
Now that you, you, you see things differently, it's changed you on the inside. It, it's, it's replaced what was once eagerness and excitement has been replaced with dread. What was once someone who was excited to get up and start the day now can't wait to go back to sleep. What was once someone who, who lived out their purpose and found joy in their job and in their, in their work and in their uni now can't wait till the weekend comes. Things have changed. You've changed. And there gets to a point in our lives, it happens to all of us, where things keep piling up and piling up that you realize you're at the end of your rope and something needs to happen. Something else needs to change. This is not the life I have been called to live. And we wish it would be our circumstances that would change, but the reality is that doesn't always happen. So what do you do? What do you do when you run out of options of things to do? What do you do when you're at the end of your rope and you're in this situation? Well, just like Daniel, you do the only thing that you can do. When your life is in a place where you did not think it would be, you go to the person who wants to give you life and life abundantly. You go to the person who can make a way where there seems to be no way. So you start filling yourself up with Jesus. You start to set these habits in your life and you begin, you begin to seek him and his purposes for your life, his plans. You begin to spend time with him. You begin to prioritize him at the beginning of your day. You begin to, nothing really is changing yet, okay? You're doing these things, nothing's changing, but you keep going, you keep going. You begin to get into community, you begin to get into connect groups, and then things start to change. You begin to, you begin to give even when you don't know if you have enough. You begin to go to church even when it's inconvenient for you. You begin to serve, even if it's the last thing you want to do is thinking about other people, but you're going to do it anyway because it's what you've been called to do. You begin to set these habits in your life that point you to Jesus and the purposes he has for your life. You begin to build your life on the foundation of the rock and slowly but surely you begin to see the, that color of defeat, that color of anxiousness, that color of being happy when things are good and being unhappy when things are bad slowly starts to disappear. Some things leave quicker than others. Some things won't go. Slowly but surely you are so filled with Jesus that now you have been changed from the inside out. And see, this is the best part. This is, the, this is my favorite part because, you know, Jesus says life isn't always going to be peachy from there. You know, those things are going to come back. And when those things start to go not according to plan again, when those, when those situations and circumstances that used to get the best of you, that used to crush your spirit, those things that used to keep you down and make you doubt your entire faith, those things that come crawling back into your life, don't even get past surface level anymore because you've been changed from the inside out because something is different now in your life. Your foundation is built on the rock that is Jesus. Now, please don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are some tragic things that we go through as humans. Life can be tragic sometimes and I am, I am by no means saying that following Jesus is going to remove those tragic things. If, if you're new here or you, you're just checking this faith thing out, please, please don't think I'm, I'm underestimating what people go through. I'm not. I just know. 
I just know how amazing this Jesus is. I just know how incredible and how life-changing following him can be. Come on, this is where you get excited because following him doesn't always take the tragedy out of your life, but it does help you to walk through that tragic differently than when you used to. Come on, following him doesn't mean things are going to be all peachy and great 24-7, but it does mean that you're going to have an anchor that's going to keep you steady in whatever storm life throws at you. Because your foundation, your life is built on Jesus. Your day, your week, your month, your year is built on the rock. I'll finish with this thought. You know, we, we, we have a saying uh, that we use around here. Maybe you've heard it before. We use it a lot as leaders. It's that preparation is the greatest evidence that you believe something great is coming. Which is a great saying. It's true. Preparation is the greatest evidence you believe something great is coming. Or just is. But you know what else I've learned and I've seen in the life of Jesus and in the Bible and in amazing people who have gone through extraordinary things is that preparation might be the greatest evidence that you believe something great has happened is coming, but preparation also means you are ready for whatever else is coming your way. It might mean that you're anticipating something great, but it might mean you're also ready for whatever is not great that's headed your way. See, we can be prepared for whatever season lies ahead when we build our lives on the solid foundation, good or bad. When we we put our trust in Jesus, when we have a foundation of good faith habits, it prepares us not just to survive the not according to plan seasons, but to thrive in them. You don't have to just survive and just get by any longer. Your house is built on the rock. You're not just going to survive and just get by. You're going to thrive. The rest of the year, you don't have to dread because the rest of the year, you're going to dominate. Because in the good and bad, in the wind and waves and storms of life, Jesus is always there. And we need, and I need, more than anything, to fill myself up with Him. Because when you fill yourself up with the, with the one who came to give you life and life abundantly, when you go to the one who has called you to greatness, when you put your trust and your hope and your faith in the name that is above every name, in the name that is above every diagnosis, in the name that's above every financial status, in the name that's above every past, present and future, the name that is above every name, when you put your foundation of your life in Him, hey, the wind and the waves might come, the clouds might surround your life, but you're not going anywhere. Anywhere. You're not moving anymore because things have changed for you. You've been changed from the inside out. And now what you used to dread, you can know with certainty that you're going to overcome. So these are the two questions I want to leave you with. I want to be really practical tonight. These helped me a lot. Maybe they'll help you. The first question is what are you filling yourself up with? What are you filling yourself up with? What what is the foundation of your life? Is the foundation of your life your circumstances or is it Jesus? Is your foundation built on your own ability or your faith in His ability? What are you filling yourself up with? The second question 
is what habits can you form now that are going to prepare you for later? What habits can you form now that will help you for later? See, Daniel formed habits before the season that prepared him for the season. Maybe for you, that might look like stripping everything back and saying, my foundation needs to be built on the rock. Maybe it might mean practical things like spending more time with God, joining a connect group, serving in an area. Maybe you need to get your priorities in order so that when the storm comes, you know that you're not going to be moved. Whatever that might be for you. What are you filling yourself up with? What habits can you form now that will help you later? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.